Hi, I'm Caroline Amos. And I'm Raymond McAnally. And we are fatigued. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is really exciting because this is episode 12. And that means that we've released in two months, we've released six episodes a month so far. And um, that's not really good math, actually, now that I think about it, because it means that we released an episode in Jan. We've already released two episodes in January. It's January. Oh, I'm deleting all this. I sound like an idiot. (laughs) Sorry, we're waking up. We're waking up. Uh, Yeah. So right now in New York, it is nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Raymond, what time is it where you are? It's 6 a.m. in sunny California. And Maria, where? what time is it where you are? It is 2.04 in London. Wow. So that's why we're awake this early on a Sunday to talk to that, you. I love that that's early, Caroline. Caroline is totally exposing her, <laughs> oh, her no, pandemic I... lifestyle. I wasn't going to get up earlier for this. I need to, you know, that's another yeah. thing about it. I, I need a good 10 hour sleep now. Oh, or I yeah. Don't, yeah. Definitely. It's, it's, it's a change, but I refuse to give it up. So it was well, going to be the afternoon for me. You just need sleep when you need it. Like uh, yesterday afternoon, um, it wasn't fatigue symptom related, but I've noticed that since I had COVID, I sleep so much harder. Than I did, yeah. even if it's a nap. Yeah, you're you're underwater. I have not. Uh, my sleep has always been really great. Uh, I've always slept super hard for super long. Like that's just how. That's just my personal style. <laughs> well. I had that. Thank, thank you. <laughs> great start. Great start, Maria. <laughs> but uh, I had so coming many in hot. Time. I had so many like dreams about not waking up on time to do this interview last night. And like at the like early, early hour of 6 a.m. this morning, I woke up because I was like, (gasps) I'm missing it. They're doing it right now and I'm not there. Well, I could have, to be fair, since we're in lockdown again, it's not like I'm going anywhere. I could have taken you into consideration a little bit more. It's not like at five, you know, I have a dinner. (laughs) reservation i'll I'll be yeah. here all day every day yeah. it was actually really nice to i don't know i i felt like i usually feel before i'm tr- i have to catch some sort of early morning flight which i haven't had to do in 10 months so mm-hmm. i was like ooh, this feels this feels fun and adventurous i'm not leaving my house but at least <laughs> i have a reason to be up super early yeah this that's is a- the most exciting thing since covid that's happened to me and I oh. know that might be the wrong way to describe it, but no, we're just honored that you think that this is exciting. So thank well, you. that's more of an indication of my life right now than <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sorry to take that away from you, but you know. Maria, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are uh, pre-COVID. Okay, I am uh, an American living in London. I've been here for about uh, eight years. Um, I am a a registered drama therapist. Uh, However, I went from acting to drama therapy thinking it would be a more stable way to make a living. Uh, It turns out it's a little difficult. It's a very niche field. Um, It's great. So I had a little private practice going. um, And then uh, all of this started happening. 
But yeah, it's a wonderful thing to do. I wouldn't recommend it if you were looking for stability, unless you're very, very lucky. Um, anyway, when I caught COVID, or the vid, as I sometimes call it, um, <laughs> makes it sound like a sexually transmitted disease. It does. <laughs> it does. It, it sounds vid. visual in a weird way. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so I was unemployed at the time, and from... I was just looking at it. Uh, I don't know why, but we for first getting information about it, like general, like in the public view, maybe um, mid-February, because I was just reading that on the 27th of February, there were 15 confirmed cases here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not to say that there weren't more, um, mm-hmm. but that was that was the level of the panic. Um, and then the last day that I started showing symptoms was the first day of lockdown. Oh, wow. And a lot of, a lot of this could have been avoided at least in the beginning by them just making a decision to do something and lock it down. They've been not very proactive. Um, But yeah, it was weird because the first day I started having symptoms was the day of lockdown, which was I think March 25th. Okay. So, That's interesting because that feels like it was a little behind. I mean, to be honest, in the U.S., we have yet to really lock down. We have nothing to brag about here. Yeah, we've done we've we've done like kind of half scientifically based shutdowns that Mm -hmm. you know you're still running around, you're still able to access things. There's still so many people who are considered essential workers that, I mean, in a, an average city, you're talking tens of thousands of people still out doing their sure. job. Yeah, here too. Um, so, but I, the timeline I remember, I remember we started rehearsal for a show on the 9th of March here in LA. And the next day we were canceled. And then the day after that, we were told, um, that all live events were canceled, all public gatherings were canceled. And then it stair stepped from there. I don't I don't remember when what our version of lockdown I feel when like, that would have started. I feel like ours was March fifteenth, aka the Ides of Are March. you serious? Did Whoa. we really on the Ides? Did. I know that I lost my job on the thirteenth because they were officially shutting down New York shut down restaurants on the fifteenth. And when New York shuts down restaurants, that means New York is over. I have to yeah. admit, anytime the Ides are brought up, I had friends in high school who decided that the Ides of every month was funky pants day. Um <laughs> and and so every time, I, even when I've auditioned or thought about uh, Julius Caesar, I I think of pants. Wow, I think of Caesar salad. <laughs> <laughs> Over here is pants or underwear, and that's mm. taken me. I still go funky and do that. So I'll say nice pants. Well, every day can be funky underwear day. Well, yeah. that's true, but it gets a lot of. Um, that's a little too intimate conversation for people. They're like, um, yeah, that's, that's a little, uh, odd that you're saying that my underwear is nice. I don't think you can see it. The one that always catches me whenever I talk to, um, friends from the UK is Fanny. But <sighs> Fanny does not mean your butt at all. <laughs> no. I don't think I know what Fanny means. Fanny yeah, is I mean- your 
a lady's nether region. Yeah, oh, then now flip it and reverse yes. it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so it, yeah. So yeah. Fanny. Oh wow. It's not, oh, this God. is just not the right word. To, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't do it justice. No. <laughs> All right, guys. Hard. We gotta. We gotta steer this conversation okay, back yeah. where it needs to go. So you got COVID in the early days of COVID. Um, yeah, there was not. Um, and honestly, part of the reason why lockdowns and things were so delayed was because um, the government really failed to act. So I. This, but this is early days. I mean, I'm not saying that there are cures now or real treatments, but this was in nobody knew anything. Mm-hmm. And the time that I was hospitalized was actually, now this is, you know, it's much, much worse now, but at the time it was the height, mm-hmm. like the highest day of deaths or hospitalizations. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was really kind of in the thick of it when people were just getting sick. Do you know how you contracted it? Have any idea? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really, I mean, there was pub that is next door to me um that i frequented because i live next door to a pub how are you going to be yeah um but uh it used to be considered an advantage (laughs) (laughs) yeah a long time ago for me but it you know it just sucks you in um but i couldn't have gotten it there I i don't think because i was around the same people over and over again and none of them got ill even though a lot of people are asymptomatic I mean, that's really the only place, but I know right. that I probably gave it to a neighbor upstairs, even though we never interacted because she got sick about a week after I did. So mm. I'm assuming that it was me first, okay. but, um, so yeah, I, I really don't well, know. And you were pretty much able to do everything at that time. So bear in mind, they didn't officially, uh, have a stance on masks until the who came out with it. So I mean, that's talking long. They're it's only now that, band, of course. that they're saying that uh, <laughs> Pete Townsend came out and made a statement. Oh, thank, thank God, God for him. <laughs> Smart guy. Um, he, he, uh, this was at a time where they, it's only now in the past couple of months where they, even I think just very, very recently where they've said, you have to wear a mask inside a store. Like that's really? how um, it's craziness. But, they they would do things like say we're not shutting down restaurants or pubs, but we recommend that you don't go to them. I mean, to be honest, I I said really like that was amazing that they just made a mask um, mandate or law. We don't have that. We don't have that. You don't. Our, our, no, we have these mandates are they're very rarely enforced. It's um, like a guy standing in the corner, like, hi, I'd really appreciate it if you guys wore your masks. And then, like, there's a bunch of people out there that are like, shut up, old man. We don't want because we're America. We got freedom. We want our freedom. So that's why we're elongating this so long we get all our freedoms taken away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's, that's what we are. I was in the hospital for 19 days, um, oh, which wow. was pretty lengthy for that time because they really wanted to get you out of the hospital uh, quickly because they need the beds. Um, So I got a cough on the 25th, like this dry hacking cough. And throughout these few days, I was joking with my friends that like, 
oh no, it's not, it's not this. It's, you know, and if it is, it's the mildest case, then I'll be fine. Um, like on the first day of my cough, my friend was laughing at me. She's like, you don't have this, but the cough went away after the first day. And then it started with the fevers. Um, really the fevers were the biggest thing. And I, I didn't have, (laughs) didn't have a thermometer at the time. And I called one of my friends like four days in and he didn't have one, but he works in a pub and he bought me, brought me a meat thermometer. I asked for it. I was like, no, bring it, bring it. Maybe it'll, it did not work. Um, yeah, I, don't I know can't, that's not the same. Good to, good to know. Good to know. It's not the same measurement of temp. No. Anyway. So it progressively got worse and I knew I had a fever because I always have that thing where when even if it's a mild one, things get brighter. Mm -hmm. Not only do I feel hot, but the things that I look at get like the colors get more intense and I was feeling weird and out of it. Um, So that started happening. And then the rest, the shortness of breathing didn't start happening until day five. And I remember when it started happening, it started on like the Thursday or the Friday because I was watching The Irishman on TV, on, oh, uh, on like Netflix or something. And it's a really long movie. It is. Um, it's a good movie, but it's long. Yeah. Um, and I know I have this fever because I'm watching it and I remember all of it. But toward the end, my chest started going and I realized I hadn't eaten for a few days and I don't remember losing the sense of taste because I wasn't really eating mm. with the fever. Um, but you hadn't eaten for a few days? No, I mean, I ate, but I yeah. wasn't paying attention to it. I, I uh-huh. wasn't having meals. Like, you know, you don't want to eat. So I would have little, I would force myself to eat a little bit, but so I was like, sure. okay, this is, um, I like Subway because it's the closest thing that they have here to uh, Wawa. Hoagie. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. I know you lived uh, in Jersey for a while. Um, it's, it's the only thing they have that's similar to that. So I got like the turkey one. And I don't know if it was a loss of taste. I just thought I didn't want to eat because I ate it and it just didn't taste like it should and I didn't want it. Anyway, going back to the Irishman, the um, <laughs> this is going to get a little deep now. I told you I'm, I can chat about this for a long time. Good. Um, so I was watching it. And I was thinking, like, this isn't going to, spoiler alert, if you want to cut cut it out. But when he's in the, when Robert De Niro is in the home and he's, like, trying to get the nurse to stay a little bit longer, like, by chatting with her. And he's by himself. And you think, yeah, mm-hmm. this, this guy deserves it. But that's one of my, I remember looking at it and thinking, that's one of my biggest fears is, like, dying alone. Or being in a situation where I'm in some nursing home by myself, helpless, right? Which is interesting because, you know, when you are in the hospital, this is what people forget. No one can see you. Yeah. You're on your own. Um, Yeah. And and I do think a lot of people forget that. I've sadly spent a lot of time in the hospital at, at family members' bedsides and friends' bedsides. And people do not compute what it's like to either be the patient or be the loved one when you cannot visit no matter how bad they are no matter how bad the situation yeah i mean you can basically visit at you know if they're gonna go um so 
yeah, you can't, you're, you're in it by yourself. I mean, you're not, you can have, I, and my family doesn't live here. Right. So, but even if they did, like my mother was like, I want to fly over. Thank God. International flying was banned at that point because she would have. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's all I need is your 70 year old butt to get on a plane and catch Corona so that you can, you know, not get better. Um, But I said to her, you know, even if you were here, it wouldn't matter. There's nothing you could do. Like you couldn't come visit me. So we would text and like talk on the phone, but, um, and she would talk to the doctors, but yeah, no. So, you know, you're, you're in it. Okay. So they had a very strict policy with ambulances. You had to, um, have like a certain really low oxygen level in order for them to take you to the hospital, uh, mm-hmm. which I didn't know, but so my breathing got so bad within a couple of days that I actually called 111, which is like a, you're not in an emergency situation, but you, it's like health advice. And they uh-huh. were great because I got a doctor on the phone and he heard my breathing and he was like, yeah, no, let's send an ambulance over. Um, and so they came and I had to go down the steps to get to the door because the buzzer was broken oh, and yeah. they had to like, so they took my oxygen and it's one of those dinky, I had one afterward. It's one of those dinky little oxygen meters, oxygen you finger, yeah, yeah. which aren't always accurate. Um, but they were like, no, your oxygen level is good enough. Um, so they basically carried me back upstairs. And at the time, I know because I had to read it off to the next doctor I spoke to, my temperature was 104. Mm-hmm. Um, like when they talk about high fevers, they talk about, yeah. so I'm out of it and I can't, uh, I can only get a few words out at a time. I can't like, it's, it's really, so yeah. I called again and those guys said, Oh, how long have you had the symptoms? And I thought they meant bad symptoms. So I said two days and it really was like seven days or five days. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh, they were like, oh, well, it's, it's early, it's early days. And I was like, okay. Cause I was, they were like, you can take care of it at home. And I was kind of relieved. I don't have to go to the hospital, but then I talked cause it, it just got worse. And I called one, one, one again. And the guy was like, okay, we're going to send out an ambulance again. Cause I read them off the statistics and these people came and, you know, it takes about like four hours at this point. Um, they came same thing. I had to go down the steps, whatever. They checked it because on. Because it's a non-emergency event? It's an ambulance well, is being because of the, the amount of ambulances that are going out. Got it. So right. you have a ration on ambulances. And mm. unless it's a not, I told them it was not an emergency, which was stupid. But even if it had been an emergency, it would still take the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, they came up. They... Uh, or dragged me up. The guy had said that the doctor said on the phone, pack a bag just in case they admit you. Um, so I at least was able to do that. They helped the ambulance people help me, but they said, Oh, your oxygen level is still good. But then they took me into the ambulance and they uh, put me on the actual machine. And then mm-hmm. they said, Oh, we're going to do a blue light to the hospital, which means that it's going to be, they're going to turn on the siren and, you know, do that. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, great, this is really good. Because what's going to happen is I'm going to get help. They're going to put that one time when I was on a plane, I was feeling pretty sick. They gave me an oxygen mask. I felt better. 
So uh -huh. what's going to happen is I'm going to go to the hospital and they're going to, I'm going to get some help. And if they admit me, it'll be for a night and I'll be okay. You weren't seeing them saying we're going to use the blue light or, no, or whatever. I was like, oh, I'm going to get there faster. That's really <laughs> what I thought. I thought, oh, they're not going to take their time. I'm going to get there faster. Like a police escort or something. Yeah. Like what? what like a this? police escort. Yeah. Like I'm uh, they're going to make me top priority and that'll be great. So then I get into the emergency room and I'm making a joke because at the time I was a long term smoker and I'm doing what I think is a joke and saying like, you know, don't let me die because I'm a smoker, a non-smoker. And they asked me when I quit and I said five days ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, you know, meaning like they don't want to give the alcoholics the liver. So I was making a joke like don't. And but there were all these people around me and they were like, oh, you're not going to die. You're too young. And then oh, there were all like antibiotics in my arm or IVs in my arm. And I'm still thinking, oh, this is great because I'm going to get help and then I'll be fine. Um, and I knew I had Corona. They did the test. I don't even remember it. And then they said, yeah, you, you have Corona. I was like, of course. And then they said, we're going to admit you. But before they did that, they put me on um, a CPAP machine rather than an oxygen one. Now, okay, you know, no emails about this, but I'm not complaining. The CPAP machine saved my life from not being on a ventilator, but it's a horrible experience. Like people are like, oh, well, you use it for sleep apnea, but this is full pressure, like full dry air pressure, keeping your lungs open, basically. And I just, just want to say one quick disclaimer. We are not medical professionals. We are yeah. not authorized to give advice. We're just merely some sharing some stories, just yeah, saying this to just, cover, this to cover my fannies. <laughs> <laughs> and our, take that as you will. I mean, butts, I'm sorry, not our vaginas, our butts. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this is just my experience. Okay. And the horribleness of this is just my experience that I should say this is not normal. Like I was an extreme case. Please don't think, you know, you're necessarily going to end up in a hospital if you're afraid of that. Um, uh, so they put me on uh, the CPAP and it's not like this. At least mine weren't like this. They're like this and like this. Like there's a plastic bar that goes, so it's like a full mask head covering on your face, it's like a tea plastic. So it's like this mask on your face and it's full blast air. Um, and I was like, cause I can't stand having like uh, being not able to get out of anything. And I kept trying to pull it off. And I remember the doctors going like, they were watching my, um, from outside. They were, this one doctor was watching my, um, my oxygen go up on it. And he was like, from the outside. And I was like, okay. But I was like, I got to get this mask off my face to the guy who's, you know, the tech who's helping me and I'm trying to pull it off. And I like said, oh, this is awful. And he was like, well, this is saving your life. And I was like, okay. Um, so then he started, this wasn't the, the, the right guy to get when you're first in the hospital because he's wheeling me to this other room where they're going to see me because I got moved around a lot. They're wheeling me to this other room that is not the ICU. Um, and I said, this is actually really bad, isn't it? Like, this is bad. And he was like, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> 
No but, he's like, but he used a lot of words that I didn't understand, but at least you're not this. And I think he meant a ventilator, but I, I didn't understand it. But I was like, okay, so this is not good. So wow. they took me to a room. In my fever head, the room was like red light. It was like red light and 10 doctors around me. This was not the case, probably. But they had me sitting up with the CPAP mask on and they're um, asking me, uh, you know, do you have any family here? And I'm also divorced at this point. So I don't have like a partner. Um, mm -hmm. So they're asking me and this poor friend of mine was my emergency contact. And <laughs> she did not know what she was in for with all of this. Like, I actually feel bad about it now. Um, so she got in touch with my ex-husband who gave her my mother's number. And I was asking this guy, this doctor, I was like, well, what if this doesn't work? And he said, well, if it doesn't work, then we have something else. And then after that, we have something else. And I knew he was talking about the ventilator. And I don't know, I must have been really kind of with it during this point, because I was asking a lot of questions. And I remember what he said. And I said, look, if I'm on the ventilator, is it like I'm, I said sedated, but I meant like you're in a coma and you don't like you're like during an operation and you don't know anything like you, you're not conscious at all. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, no, you're sedated. And then that and then that. Uh, so he was like, OK. Um, so then I know he talked to my mother because my mother told me the next day that, um, you know, obviously she was freaking out. But he was like, no, I think I, I've got a gut instinct. She's going to survive. And my mother told me that to reassure me the next day. And I was like, gut instinct? That's not science. Right. I was feeling about it. What the hell? This is not making me feel better. You got a solid hunch. <laughs> like, and she said it like it was really good news. Um, oh, my God. But after that, this was all in the middle of the night on March 31st. Like, this was in the middle of the night. Um, and I will never forget this nurse saying this. And I... Because she asked me if I had any family here. And I said, no. <laughs> Going to get choked up at parts of the story that were really sweet. She took my hand and she said, well, where are your family now? Oh, my and I was God. like, thank you. Um, and then they took me to the ICU. They took me to one other room first where, and I'm still trying to get the CPAP mask. Like, it's this huge thing on my face and it's just air. Um, and I'm trying, I keep trying to get it off. And like, it's one thing if you have the capacity to take it off, but when you're, you can't, like, there's no, you're on it 24 seven on or something. I mean, yeah, they strap it to your head. Okay. I mean, I, I could take it off if I wanted to, like I could rip, like pull it, but you're not allowed to do that. So, right. You know, so they take me to the and ICU. You're, you're running this high fever. Or did they have to restrain you at any point? No, no, you... no, no. I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't. I was too weak at that point to need any restraining anyway. I have no yeah. muscle on my body, nevertheless, so it wouldn't have been a problem. The patient in but... room three, she's trying to take her CPAP machine <laughs> off again. They oh, would have to. I'm going to strap her down. <laughs> they were so yeah. annoyed with me that they would have. Um, oh, man. They, uh, so I remember being in the ICU very vividly. This is the first. This is like, must have been the first day. They took me to one ICU place and then they had to move me because I wasn't in the right thing. Um, this one, and I imagine that there were just beds from side to side. I don't think that that was true. Um, but when I first came in, I'm, I'm sitting there, you're sitting on the bed um, and I'm looking across at this guy and they do have family members 
around him and oh. in the ICU, which is anyway. And they were trying to, cause he wouldn't take his pills or something. And they were trying to convince him to get on the ventilator. And eventually he relented. So I'm watching this happen and, you know, I don't know how much time went by, but all of a sudden there's this guy sitting up. He's obviously very, very ill. Then his family leaves. And a little while later, he goes behind like a little curtain and I can't see it, but they intubate him and they come out and he's on ventilator. Um, and they started, that was when they were kind of experimenting with proning where you lay on your stomach they lay you on your stomach because you can breathe easier that way and the thing I remember is this is later on but probably a few hours but the nurse was like kind of I don't know why but she was kind of like yelling a question at him or something and I heard him like groan so it was like this guy's coming in and out of consciousness Mm-hmm. He's just heavily sedated, but he is aware of some things in a very, very strange way. Um, you know, not most of the time, but I was like, and that's when I was that. That's when the real fear of the ventilator started. I bet. to see that and just a you know a bed over or whatever the perspective was. That's that scared the hell out of you. Because I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, Yeah, so he was ventilated. Um, I didn't really see what was going on around me because they closed the little... um, I'm talking so it's not visual. They closed the the curtain around you. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. But you you didn't ever have to go on a a No, 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 no. But I was terrified of it. That's all. You wore that CPAP for 19 days? No, 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 no. I wore it for... I thought it was only for three, but it turned out that I wore it for a week. Um, wow. Whoa. Time really does not exist. Well, I don't know if Especially I forgot. when you're not having fun. <laughs> <laughs> so when I first saw this guy off the ventilator and that whole thing happened, I turned to one of the nurses and I was like, oh, I had had a call from my mother and she was freaking out. And I said, look, mom, you can't freak out or I'm going to freak out. And she, God bless her. She did not freak out with me on the phone at all from that point on. Um, but I looked at the, the, um, one of the nurses and I was like, look, I'm freaking out. Um, you guys got to give me, you got to give me some drugs. Like you got to give me some anti-anxiety shit. Cause I am going to lose it. And you don't, you know, that's just going to make it worse. So they did, but they gave me too much, but I was still conscious and I'm just watching everything go by in like a, like a haze. Um, it's just in slow motion and it's, it's like being really like, it was way too much. I told them that you have to take me off of it. Did that help your anxiety? It was too much, but it got me, I wasn't thinking about dying. Uh-huh. I was, I was too hazed to think about dying or being put on the ventilator. What was going to happen to me for a little while, but I kept too sti- hazed to think about dying is it's that's basically the description of the average person in their 20s. <laughs> hey, Raymond, well, you know don't I'm not pretend to speak right? I'm far Even over my 20s. I, I look at it. look like it. Um, so, yeah, I, I was to haze me out from thinking that. But um, I kept, like, I was a bad, not a bad patient, but I'm, you know, I know I'm in there alone. And yeah, I'm, I'm the only one advocating for me. 
right? Mm-hmm. So I will be the pain in the ass. Um, unfortunately, because these nurses are having like three, four people at a time, they don't have any time. They can't, yeah. you know, it's craziness. They're they're just completely overwhelmed. But you're not thinking about that when you're that sick. So I kept trying to slip like two fingers under the mask because it would relieve the pressure. And they would mm-hmm. keep having to tell me not to do that until this one nurse actually said to me, if you keep doing that, it's not going to get the right amount of pressure to your lungs. And then it, it's not going to work. And after that, I was like, oh, okay, I can't really do yeah. this anymore. Um, I think because I got a hospital report. I don't know how long I was there. I think it was like two maybe two days. I must have been on and off. They're being the ICU? I think that's it. Because I got the hospital report and it was either two two days, I think, or three days. I don't remember being there for that long because I only remember the first, my first few hours in there clearly, uh-huh. or as clearly as I think I do. Um, and then they moved me down to another respiratory unit. But in between this, I must have been out of out of it because on the report it says I was on it for seven days. Um, wow. So they moved me to another place, and I'm this is like uh, some kind of other ward. Like they're using all these different wards that they wouldn't normally use. Mm-hmm. So they're not normal things. So their one room is filled up, and I'm actually in the reception room. And I guess they ran out of regular CPAPs, so they got this like you know swimmies that you put on your arm. It was yeah. like half yeah. half a swimmy around my face that closed in the front and it would blow up here. Um, and uh, sorry, I'm going over into my eyes with my hands. Um, and they put like, a, I was like, this is because for some reason I had my contacts on the whole time. Oh, that was another fear. I, I want to have LASIK because the idea that I'm going to be blind and I won't be able to see anything. I, I can agree with you on that yeah, one. You know totally. what I mean? Or mm-hmm. I wouldn't have my glasses, but for some reason they were still in and my friend God bless her. She went to my, because they were saying at this time that Corona wasn't staying on things for 24 hours after 24 Mm -hmm. hours, Mm -hmm. which was not true. But she was willing to go into my apartment because they were telling me it was okay. So she went into my flat um, and apparently she covered herself in garbage bags and she went and picked up some stuff for me. And they let it in. Oh, and I want to say in terms of PPE, uh, that's right. That's the right phrase for protective gear. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have any. The healthcare workers didn't have any. All they have are masks, a bib that looks like it's coming out of a garbage bag and gloves. There's no visors. There's no plastic. I mean, that's what these nurses and doctors are working with. Nothing. Oh, my God. Um, So anyway, they put (laughs) on the little swimmy thing. Because it was blowing up into my eyes. I told you I was going to go into a lot of detail. I hope. Good. That's good. Girl, I told you to go um, into detail. So they, you can edit it. So they, um, they put this like surgical scissor to close it, like a little clamp to close it. So the scissor uh-huh. was in front of my nose. So I was cross-eyed. Um, and this like band that went up over my head. It was like That's headgear. Like the nose guard and the jerk. You were staring <laughs> at a piece of metal between I'm your like eyes. I'm like this the whole time. And I'm trying to, and I'm very, very much awake in this. And this is where I know the nurses hated me because this one woman went, oh, you deal with her. Um, because I kept taking the thing off. I just kept taking it off. Um, 
and also there was no buzzer. So I, I was like, how am I going to get your attention? And they were like, oh, well, we'll be right here. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really help me when I can't breathe. So I was like, mm. hey, hey. And because I would rip which the mask off and then I couldn't breathe. breathe. Um, so which is not helpful. But I think the reason why I was taking it off so much is I didn't need it anymore. I needed the regular oxygen because after that, they put me on an oxygen mask rather than the CPAP. So I think that's why I was so bad at that. I was just ripping it off. I was probably only there for a few hours. Um, and then they moved me again. But they wheeled me through. They didn't wheel me. They put me on the, the stretcher. Uh, they wheeled me through where the other people were. And that I remember, it was like a, a medic thing. Like the, there were just beds everywhere. And mm -hmm. people were prone um, they're on their stomachs to try to help them. And like an arm is hanging off the thing. And I, I remember there was um, a black guy and he had his head shaved and he was hanging off and just his arm was off. And it was just insane. Um, and then they wheeled me through it. And I thought, fuck, this is this is crazy. And again, I don't remember how many nurses are there, but I'm sure it's too few. Um, and this isn't the ICU. This is where they've been lowered because they're not in immediate danger of dying. You know, they're mm -hmm. not ventilated. They might be on CPAPs, but, you know, mm -hmm. there's only so much room in the ICU. So then this miracle happened. I, for some reason, ended up on the children's, the children's ward. Um, but where they wheeled me there weren't that many people in it and they wheeled me into a private room with a bathroom and this i don't know like one of the nurses said you got the best seat in the house because there's this like wall this window that goes all the way down the length of the room and it's this is a uh, london university london college university hospital love the hospital um and it's the view of the skyline of like you're in downtown gorgeous and for some reason the nurse to patient ratio was really high uh -huh. so I got a lot of attention like more than uh -huh. I more than you would normally um, and also you never want to be interesting medically but I became interesting to them okay. because I had this um, after they moved me in there I broke out in this crazy rash like, I was actually almost going to send you a picture of it so you could see what I was talking about. But then I thought, you know, maybe you wouldn't want to see. Oh, no, I love the gross <laughs> things. Yeah, I know. Please send, send it. it. Um, and it's uh, it's just these red blotches all over my arm. A lot of it was where they were trying to put the thing in. You got it, too. I got it on my eyelids. Really? Yeah. And uh, in my scalp. Yeah. And oh, it persisted for anything. months after. Yeah. Months, really? Months. And I talked to one dermatologist and the guy said, that doesn't sound likely. It sounds like you're uh, using something wrong in your skincare routine. I'll have it be known. I haven't changed my skincare routine in many years because I nailed it. Okay. But then. <laughs> have to, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's very you. glowy. Thank you so much. I just washed it. <laughs> but then on the flip side, I was like, that doctor, that doctor has to be wrong. Like I have to talk to someone else. The next doctor I talked to uh, looked at my eyelids on FaceTime and said, whoa, yeah, we're seeing this in a lot of people who had COVID. 
And I said, really? And he said, yeah, it's uh, not talked about as much, but it's, it's, it's something. He gave me a cream, and if I don't use it, it comes back. So No, I've never had yeah. a problem with it again. Oh, really? How long did it last? It only lasted really maybe a week. Okay. Um, yeah, it was – but I, I looked down, and there are these blotches all over me. They weren't itchy, and they didn't hurt. Um, but this is in the beginning, right? So all mm-hmm. these weird things are coming up that they don't um, know about. So all of a sudden, I became very interesting, right? Now, interesting helped me in this because all of a sudden, I have a team. They're oh. like dermatologists, rheumatologists, uh, you know, practitioners. So I'm like, all right, I'm covered. Although I kept asking them, I kept asking them, like, I'm on day, I must have been on day 10. I'm on day 10 now, or I'm on day 11 now. I know you can't say anything definitely, but am I, can you say I'm unlikely to get worse? And they would be like, it's, it's unlikely. And so I would keep asking this like every day for a while until I was you know, pretty much out of the woods. I I was out of the woods at this point. I mean, I know that they, I I had the double pneumonia. I know that they pumped me full of antibiotics and I did feel better, a little bit Mm -hmm. better after they did that. So you had double pneumonia? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to send you a shot of the, the lungs too, between me being in the hospital and me being out for six weeks. Uh-huh. Like, send that to us. I will. Yeah, if you're okay with Like, there's all this white while I'm in the hospital, and then seven weeks later, it's mostly dark. Like, oh. it's like a miracle. It's God. amazing. Because uh, we're for our audience, we're recording this on January 17th. There's this last week, I believe there was an article. Um, it it made a bunch of different papers, but I think it was the same doctor. Um, based out of Texas, who was doing comparisons of people's lungs um, after they've had COVID. Yeah, have yeah, you seen any follow-up? Follow uh, but not for a few months. Like, okay. I am, I am. if you have a case like that, I am what you want to happen. I so am, it's cleared up? Yeah. I mean, the only, like, scarring I have on it is from smoking. Okay. It's not it's it's gone it's a it's like and it that's in like seven weeks i went back and they we compared the x-rays so i took a picture of it um it yeah i'm what i am incredibly lucky in my unluckiness like i'm what you want to hear about well let's hear a little bit more about the so you 19 days in the hospital yeah you get um, home, you're still by yourself. Are you 19 days? Are you done with symptoms? Where are you when you get home? It's, this is bad news. Um, I do just want to say a little bit about one of the, the two of two of the nurses because they had to yeah. give me showers because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't walk to the, you had to do the carrying the oxygen tank. And I will never forget like what it's like to walk to the bathroom and then have to sit on the toilet for 10 minutes to get your breath back. Like I've never experienced anything like this. Um, And when they gave me that first shower and I told you there was a high nurse for some bizarre reason, there was this high nurse to um, 
healthcare worker ratio. And I want to say they use the word deployed. They're deployed to other departments, which I think is very accurate. And some of the nurses that I had, like this is how bad the situation is. Some of the nurses that I had hadn't been on a ward or in a hospital or working anything but administratively for years. They were just pulling in everybody. And the, these two nurses, they, this nurse and the healthcare worker, they braided my hair. Like they went on either side of it with my wet hair and they braided it for me. Like, I, I just cannot say enough about how lucky I was. And I think that that really helped me mentally. Really sure. helped mentally. Well, they said that they were your family now. So, yeah, they were. I mean, they were, they were amazing to me, except for. I had to go into a general bay two days before I left. And they said, this was one of the most stressful things as you're bringing up is the doctor said he was, they were releasing me. And I just started to cry because I wasn't. And at that time, one of the after nurses said that they were releasing people when they normally wouldn't because they had to. Mm -hmm. So I was off the oxygen mask for a day. So you got to go. Um, and I just started bawling because I was just, I, I, I didn't know what to do. What am I going to do? I don't have anybody. Um, I did. That's not true. I had this wonderful group of friends who um, they created a little WhatsApp group, yeah. like to help me and, you know, do things. I, I actually ended up like I wouldn't have gotten through it without them. So this was, I was kind of nasty about this, but my regular doctor must have gotten sick because she suddenly wasn't there and he said she got sick, but it was an intern who was really brusque. And I was like, what, what am I going to do? I can't even walk to the bathroom. My legs are like lead. And he was like, well, we're, you know, we don't, you know, we release people before they're a hundred percent. And I was like, all right, let's not play games here. This isn't a hundred percent. I can't walk to the bathroom. Like, yeah. But they had to release me. The nurse has actually advocated for me to stay uh, a ne- another day, but they couldn't. Um, they couldn't get it done. So they moved me to a general bay ward, and that was a completely different experience. Like, you can't get a lot of attention. It's not. I had one. I'll tell you about those later. One of them was the freaking notebook. She must have been getting better. She was elderly, and for some reason, they were letting her husband in and on on lunchtime. I don't, I was kind of like, what? I thought there were no people here. Cause I, can I get my person in? Um, But I was only, I was leaving the next day. And also when I heard them talk, so he's like combing her hair and saying, I thought I almost lost you Pippa and whatever. And then he says, it's a very dull world without you. And I was like, What am I watching here? Uh, Anyway, I had a PT person because there were the, uh, I'll get to going home. There were the stairs. So I needed to have the council put in what they call a key box. So it's a little thing that sits outside your door and it's kind of a lock box for your keys. So that But the council was being crazy. There was a physical therapist who was kind of going nuts with me Mm -hmm. trying to get this thing in. Um, it was like to the wire 
like it was like I was being released the next day and he, he actually was great. He was off his shift trying to help me. Um, and then I had a friend who stocked my refrigerator before I got home. Oh, that's great. And then uh, another friend who like took, like he did the stuff with the council with the key box. Um, and I was able to, and what would have happened to me? I, I know that there are lots of volunteers, but what would have happened to me if I can't afford this? Um, my, I was able to get a private carer in for an hour every other day. Um, yeah. So they could do my shopping and um, clean a little. Um, but they couldn't do it for a couple of days because I was coming home from COVID, even though I had the release. And they don't have any protective gear either. All they have is a mask and nobody had anything. Um, so I got home. They took me home in the ambulance. They lifted me up the steps. Um, and then I would, because I'm thinking they gave me a commode and a shower stool because I was like, well, what if I can't get there? So they gave me a commode, which thankfully I didn't have to use and could just return. But mm -hmm. getting to the bathroom was like, I don't know, my bathroom is like 15 feet away. Because at this point, my legs still feel like weights. Um, yeah. And I'm walking to the bathroom and I have to stop and lean on something. And that sounds dirty, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> In isolation, yes. Um, and no, I find actually, it, the, the image ahead. that keeps coming back is you saying, because it's so counterintuitive to what we picture when we think of someone returning from a hospital stay, yeah. is you being carried back into your home. Yeah, they had to carry me up the steps. These poor guys. I was 35 pounds heavier at the time. These two guys were like, they struck. I had. A, I looked like Hannibal Lecter because, and that's what my friend said, because I had to have my arms crossed and be strapped in to this thing. And oh I also had to have the mask on. And they told me I can't move. Like I have to stay perfectly still. So that's how I went into the into the thing. And they were going to have to carry me to the couch, but I could make it. Now what I have I'm to say now, is, because you're okay. I hope you had a brand new neighbor who'd never met you at that point, And that's just the first thing they saw. <laughs> no, she was the one who got sick with COVID who I oh, probably no. gave COVID to. Um, but I, so I, I went to the couch and they were going to take me there, but that's the thing that was probably from the ICU to maybe not the most, but to, it was one of the most stressful days when I, when they were letting me out. Because what am I going to do? Yeah, I don't have anyone at my apartment. I don't have a roommate. Uh, people can't. We're still in lockdown. So, you know, people, they could leave boxes outside my door, I guess, of food. But I wouldn't be able to pick it up. Um, mm -hmm. And my friends helped me out. And one of them was willing to, like, come over and sit with me. But I don't know if I'm still contagious. And you're still not supposed to go near. I mean, this was three weeks later. I wasn't. But still, I'm not. And also there's a lockdown, you know, I'm not going to put people on public transportation, you, you know, yeah. on, a, on a subway. Yeah. So this is the situation. And this isn't, you know, I'm thinking of people who don't have anybody who don't have the means to hire a private carer to go shopping for you every other day or to stay and make sure that I could take a shower by myself. I mean, they had nurses come in um, for about five days, but they were just nurses. They were um, to check your vitals and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. One of them stayed late 
because I was afraid of going in. I had never washed my hair and given myself a full shower. So she stayed so I wouldn't to make sure I wouldn't fall over. She was a little nutty, but she was like, do you want me to take a picture? It's your first shower so you could post it on Facebook. And I was like, oh, really? Yeah. I really feel the need to document this. Thanks. <laughs> but what I would do is I would send um, my family, my friends, like I would document everything because I know that they were so scared. I would be like, took my first shower today. Did it okay? Like walked to the... Um, walked from my couch to the bathroom and then to the kitchen without having to stop. Like I would post every, I would not post, but I would send them every little achievement because I thought, you know, they can't see me getting better. Mm -hmm. However, there was a lot of anxiety when I first got out. Like I lived on, I didn't sleep in my bed for a while because the couch has an arm and I could prop myself up. Mm. Um, and I must have slept a lot of the time. Uh, but when I came home, this like swelling and rash kind of came back on my arm a little mm. bit. And so I was calling my GP and I was freaking out and I was like, what is this? It's back. Um, and thankfully they would check on me all the time, but they were very patient with me. Um, cause he'd be like, it's okay. It's okay. Um, and then I, had this strange thing where it looked like a discoloration. It looked like dirt. Um, It looked like a healing bruise all the way down my leg. Um, So they came over and they checked my liver and all this stuff. It was fine. Um, When I got short of breath again, it was scary. And I would call the GP and I'm like, I'm dying. I'm dying. You know, I had the little oxygen meter that they sent me. I checked it 14 times a day, probably every hour. Um, it went down two points. I'm dying. Um, yeah, it really uh, sounds like an uphill battle, even in like, you would imagine recovery would sort of feel like it's easier, but in your recovery, it really sounds like you were sent home and you were still sort of fighting for your life in, in, in a little bit of a way. Yeah. And I was scared. Like I was very, I had a lot of anxiety. Um, and a lot of anxiety the first like the first week that I was there maybe the first two weeks because these random things kept coming up and that's the crazy thing about COVID is nobody's symptoms are exactly the same yeah yeah like it will affect everybody differently random things will come up for people um so you just and so nobody can tell you the medical professionals cannot tell you not really what your what your recovery is going to look like you have no idea Yeah. yeah And these bruises, I think, kept coming up because they had to give me the because, you know, it, it blood clots now, like they're learning about the blood clotting in oh, yeah. lungs mm-hmm. and everything. Um, I had to have a blood transfusion while I was in there because I was so anemic. Um, so they gave really? me a blood transfusion. Please give blood if you can. Doesn't matter if you have antibodies or not. That bag of blood was there for me. Um, so I would that do also ev- helps you. Yeah, it I was mean, great. That's... Like, yeah, it was great. Um, And one of the things that you had asked, like, how has it changed you or if it has changed you? And I, everything was great. Every little milestone was great. You know, like, really grateful for everything. Like, really, like, I can get to the bathroom. Look at my legs. Like, 
look at those legs working. Look at, you know, look at me. Because um, I always thought of myself actually as a person who couldn't cope with much yeah. previously. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't good at coping with things and I was a little weak. And then I got out and I was like, fucking did this on my own. Yeah, like I did. wasn't on my own. I had my family. I had my friends. I had that care. I had great care, but like, I didn't fall apart. Yeah. Like yeah. I did it. I didn't go nuts. They didn't have to restrain me. I didn't like. I was going to say, I normally, we normally try to end each session asking you like, what's giving you hope right now. And just hearing you talk about how grateful you are and uh, how proud you are of how strong you are and how much you appreciate your body. Like that actually, that really gives me personally a lot of hope. And I really yeah. hope that a lot of other people out there listening to this are taking your, like, you know, your verve and your zest for life. Uh, I hope they're taking that and realizing that there sometimes there is light at the end of the tunnel. And yeah, uh, I mean, it might take a really long time and they don't know a lot, but you can get better. Yeah. Like you really can. It's I I feel really bad for people who still have stuff, but you can get better. You know, this isn't a necessarily. Granted, we don't know. I'm talking like I'm a doctor, but you, there's no reason to think that your long term struggle is going to end up with you not having a life that you wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm lucky. It happened quickly for me, but. That's what I'm saying. I like that. That's really great. Thank you so much for talking with us today. <laughs> Talk a lot. Hey, this is Caroline. And Raymond. We wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode and let you know that there will be more every week from now until we get fatigued by it. We're building out this podcast as we go, so stay tuned for improvements on our website, our graphics, and video clips, and just everything else. The time was now to tell our stories, so we're learning as we go. We really do appreciate your interest and support. We truly hope that the personal stories that come out in each episode can help build a better understanding of COVID-19, how it spreads, and how it affects us. If you have a story or a question that you'd like us to address in an episode, please email us at fatiguedpodcast at gmail.com. That's F-A-T-I-G-U-E-D podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.